I'm reading from the 119th Psalm, the second verse. Blessed are they that keep his testimony and that seek him with the whole heart. So far in our study of the 119th Psalm, we've seen that this psalm describes the life of blessings, the good life, the life of happiness and fulfillment that all human beings seek but rarely find because they search for it in all the wrong things. We've seen that this life of blessedness is reserved for those who read, study, love, and obey the word of God. So the first verse of this psalm, the introduction to the whole chapter said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And now in the second verse, we have another blessed. This blessed life is for those who keep his testimonies. We have seen that the psalmist uses different words to describe the word of God. In the first verse, he referred to the word of God as law. In verse 2, we see that he refers to the word of God as testimony. The psalmist will use this word to describe the scriptures 22 more times in this psalm. The word testimony comes from a word that means witness. Now, we all know what a witness is. For example, when someone is put on trial, the court will often call on witnesses to testify as to the truth of something. Witnesses are called because they will provide necessary testimony in order that a verdict can be reached. Well, the word of God is a witness. The word of God testifies to many important truths. In this psalm, we are trying to discover the life of blessings, the good life. Can we call a witness to testify what this good life is and how it is to be attained? The answer is that we can find that witness, that testimony in the word of God, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. Now, why should we believe the Holy Scriptures? After all, these are words that were written thousands of years ago. How do we know that these words are really the word of God? We believe the word of God because the word of God is God's testimony. There are so many questions about life that cannot be answered apart from the scriptures. Thomas Manton says that the word of God is called a testimony because it contains the whole declaration of God's will in doctrines, commands, examples, threatenings, promises. The whole word is the testimony which God hath deposed for the satisfaction of the world about the way of their salvation. I like that word, deposed. Sometimes we hear of a court asking someone to give a deposition. In legal terms, a deposition is the process of giving sworn evidence. The Holy Scripture, is God's sworn evidence. In this book, he declares the way of salvation, how to have the abundant life in this world and in the world to come. When God gave us the Holy Scriptures, he gave us his deposition. He swears, and as the writer to the Hebrews says, he can swear by none higher than himself. He swears that the word he has given us is truth quote Thomas Manton again, God would not leave us in the dark in the matters which concern the service of God and man's salvation. 
He hath given us his testimony. He has told us his mind, what he approves and what he disallows, and upon what terms he will accept of sinners in Christ. It is a blessed thing that we are not left to the uncertainty of our own thoughts. We have his testimony. We know that God tells us many things about himself in the work of creation. The created world is a testimony, a witness of the existence, power, and wisdom of God. Even among those people who did not have the written word of God as Israel did, they had some evidence of the existence of God. In Acts 14, Paul healed a lame man, and when he did, the people of Lystra began to worship him and Barnabas. But Paul says to the crowd, in Acts fourteen fifteen through 17, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In the pagan lands, though they didn't have the written word of God as Israel, God did not leave himself without a witness. God revealed to people all over the world that he was a good God by giving rain fruitful seasons, and food. But as great as that witness was, it was not enough to show people the way of salvation. It was not enough to reveal to them how they could live the life of blessedness. There needed to be another witness, and that witness is the word of God. The world of creation is a witness to God's glory, but a further witness was needed to reveal the way of salvation by Jesus Christ. And where do we learn about Jesus Christ? We learn about Jesus in Holy Scripture. Jesus said in John 5, 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. There we see that word testify again. How do we know that Jesus is the Son of God? Can anybody offer any evidence? Yes. The Holy Scripture is God's evidence that he puts forth to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. In our great theological arguments, we forget the simplicity. In all our great theological arguments, we forget the simplicity of one of the first songs we learn as Christian children. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And that's the only way we know. Because the Bible tells us so. I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know that Jesus loves me. How? The Bible tells me so. This book is the only proof that I need that Jesus is who he claimed to be. In the first epistle of St. John the Apostle, writes in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, 
and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Look at that word, witness. It is the same word that Jesus used when he said that the scriptures testify of him. John was an eyewitness of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Why do I believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told me that it happened. You may say, but we didn't see these things. But you can see them. You can see those things in Scripture. You can see those things as surely as John saw them. John bears witness by writing this epistle. John goes on to say in 1 John 4, 14, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. There's that word testify again. Why do I believe that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world? Because John and the rest of the apostles said so. In 1 John 5, 9 through 11, we read, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. John is making the point that sometimes we receive the testimony of men as the truth. And if we believe the testimony of men, shouldn't we believe the testimony of God? The testimony of God is greater. And John says, here is the testimony of God. What's the testimony of God? The testimony of God is that Jesus sent his son to give us eternal life. But how do we know about that eternal life in Jesus Christ? Through the testimony of the apostles in their writings. The testimony of God is what the apostle John is writing to them. And John boldly says that people should believe what he is saying. His testimony is evidence enough. John says, He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. That word record is the same word as testify. Now that the apostles who were with Jesus are dead and gone, where do we find that record, that testimony now? We find it in the Holy Scriptures. And if we don't believe the Holy Scriptures, we're calling God a liar because the Scriptures are the testimony of God. John goes on to say, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Again, that word record is the word for witness, testimony. John's proclamation of the gospel is the testimony of God. The written word in this book is God's testimony. John said so in his own gospel. St. John gives us the purpose about why he was writing this gospel. We read in John 20, verses 30 and 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. These are written that you might believe. God's word written is sufficient to give us reason to believe. God's word is his testimony. No other proof, no other evidence is necessary or needed. If people do not believe the scriptures, it is because sin has blinded their minds and hardened their hearts. So what the Holy Spirit does in conversion is to take away our blindness, our hardness of heart, and then we can see clearly that the scriptures are true and we believe the scriptures, the record, the testimony that he has given us in these sacred writings. One of the first times we see this word testimony used in scripture is in Exodus 16, verses 33 and 34, where we read, And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. Now we know that God instructed Moses and Aaron to put the tablets of stone containing the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant. And he specifically calls those tables the testimony. Those two tablets that God gave to Moses containing the Ten Commandments are the testimony. So in Exodus 25, 16, the Lord told Moses, And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony, which I shall give thee. Then in Exodus 31, 18, we read, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. So the Ten Commandments are called the testimony. And because they are put in the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant is sometimes called the Ark of the Testimony because the testimony, the law of God, the word of God is inside the Ark. So the Ten Commandments, the summary of the moral law of God is a testimony. But what testimony does it give? The Ten Commandments testify that if you want to live a good life, live a life of blessedness, live your life in obedience to these commandments. The whole 119th Psalm is going to be an exposition of why the life of blessedness comes through living in obedience to God's commandments. God has sworn. God has given his testimony in the scriptures. I swear this is the life of blessing. But a terrible thing has happened to human beings. Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. We were all in Adam when he fell. As a consequence, all of us who have been born since that time, with the exception of our Lord Jesus Christ, inherited the fallen nature of Adam. We became people who loved sin rather than holiness. So now when we are confronted with God's commandments, the natural response of our hearts is to refuse to obey them. Even though God says these commandments are for your good, living in obedience to them will bring you peace and happiness. We say, no, I will not. I will live my life the way I please. I know what is best. I know what will bring me peace and joy. So we set off to find our happiness in the created things of the world rather than the creator. We make an idol of created things and indulge our appetites in sinful ways. And even when we look at what sin has done to the lives of people throughout human history and what sin does to our own lives, we still say, no, I will not obey. 
though the commandments testify as to how we can live the blessed life, we refuse to listen to that testimony. But those two tablets contain another testimony. They testify that if we refuse to obey God, God will bring his curse upon us. When God revealed his commandments to the people of Israel, they entered into a covenant with him that they would obey his commandments. Another way of saying it is that they vowed they would keep his testimonies. Therefore, those two tablets are not only referred to as the tables of the testimony, but they are also referred to as the tables of the covenant. In Deuteronomy 9, verses 9 through 11, Moses reminds the people of Israel, when I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant, which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water, and the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God, and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. So the tables of testimony are also the tables of the covenant. Now, since the covenant is so intimately connected with the testimony of God, we can say that they're almost synonymous. As a matter of fact, Psalm 113.12 reads, if thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them. Again, we see the close relationship between covenant and testimony, covenant and the word of God. When God enters into a covenant with his people to bless them, he also gives them his testimonies, his word, which tells them what to believe and how to live. To enter into covenant with God is to make a commitment to live by his testimonies, his word. Those who are in covenant with the Lord also keep his testimonies. There's no such thing as being in covenant with God and refusing to keep his testimonies. But notice also the blessing that is attached to keeping his covenant and his testimonies. In Psalm 25, 10, we read, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Again, we see that living in obedience to God is the path of blessings. The first verse of the 119th Psalm said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way and walk in the law of the Lord. Here again is that same blessing reserved for those who will walk in the path that God has marked plainly for them to see. When David was dying, he called his son Solomon. And in 1 Kings 2, 2 and 3, we read that he said to him, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Again, true prosperity comes to those who keep the testimonies of the Lord. But of course, we have a problem. We don't always keep the terms of his covenant. As a matter of fact, we refuse to obey the tables of the testimony, the tables of the covenant. And God has said clearly that if we do not obey the words of the covenant, 
we bring his curse upon us. In Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 28, Moses tells the people, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Now, what can we do when we fail to keep his testimonies? We need to go back and take a look at the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony. Though the Ark of the Testimony condemns us since we have not kept the testimony of the Lord, the Ark of the Testimony is also our hope. When God was giving Moses the directions for the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, he said in Exodus 26:34, And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the Ark of the Testimony in the most holy place. Now, what was the function of the mercy seat? In Leviticus 16, we read, And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgression and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. The mercy seat is the place where the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled to make atonement for the sins of the people, for those who had not kept his testimony. The tables of the covenant are inside the ark, the covenant that we have broken, the testimonies we have not kept. But because of the sacrifice offered and sprinkled on the mercy seat, we can have access to God because we have been forgiven because of the sacrifice offered. In Numbers 7, verse 89, we read, And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of testimony, from between the two cherubim, and he spake unto him. Remember that the mercy seat was the place where the blood of the sacrifice was poured. And God had promised that he would meet with them above the mercy seat. Here we see God is speaking to Moses from off the mercy seat. But what I want you to notice is that the Ten Commandments, the testimony, the word of God is contained inside the Ark of the Covenant. By the way, a pot of manna was also placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. Now then, what can people do who have not kept the testimonies of the Lord, those who are under the curse. 
If you look at the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony, you will see that the Ark is the picture of our Lord Jesus Christ and his work. Inside the Ark is the law which we have broken, but also inside the Ark is a pot of manna, which is a symbol of the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. Inside the Ark of the Covenant is the rod of Aaron, the high priest, who is the symbol of our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who makes atonement for us and intercedes for us. And on the top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat, where the blood is sprinkled, which is the symbol of the blood of Christ poured out for us. So, when we see the Ark of the Covenant, we are confronted with the testimony of God, which condemns us. But we also see the testimony of the gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is the witness of the law against us, but there is also the witness of the body and blood of Christ, which atones for our sin of breaking the law of God. And though we are sinners, God continues to speak to us from the mercy seat. He speaks to us through Christ, through his word, his testimony. But the only reason we have a right to hear his word, the only reason we can hear his word and obey his word, is because of the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, now that we have been forgiven for having failed to keep his testimonies, are we absolved from any responsibility to keep his testimonies in the future? As the Apostle Paul would say, God forbid. Though we have been forgiven, we are not given a license to sin. Keeping his testimonies is still the key to living the life of blessedness. If we fail to keep his commandments, we confess our sins. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. But God's will for us is still that we sin not, that we live in obedience to his commandments. Failing to keep his testimonies only causes us to make a mess of our lives. So though we know Christ, though we have been forgiven by Christ, that is just further motivation for us to keep his testimonies. For our Lord Jesus Christ tells us, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. If a man love me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him. And make our abode with him. There can be no more blessed life. Than to have the father and the son. To make their home with you. This is the life of blessings. That comes by keeping his commandments. By keeping his testimonies. Amen.